Vodka. Vodka. Hey everyone, it's Vodka O'Clock with Amber Love from AmberUnmasked.com. Today I'm talking with Dirk Manning, and we will probably be a little bit longer than an hour since we typically are. Um, but since Dirk has not been back on the show for about a year, I think we are going to be longer than an hour. So <laughs> I don't my- want to burn out your audience. We have a- See, here's the thing with your show. You have so many awesome guests on this show. And while I certainly would love to be on more often, I also love listening to all the other guests you have on. You had my buddy Chris Marino on the other day, which was fantastic. I did. I was just uh, next to him at a show in uh, Motor City, Novi, as a matter of fact. I haven't haven't sat up next to him in like (sighs) five years. You know, and then he was just on your show, which was awesome. So It was great. And you know why? Because he came out to Jersey. Funny how that works. Isn't it? It really is. So, yeah, at first I was just going to say, like, hey, Dirk, you suck. What the hell? Why haven't you been on the show? <laughs> because I don't want to crowd out everyone else. You know, and I don't want to get people get bored with me. You know, I'll come on, you know, once, twice a year, and we have these good conversations, and then, uh, you know, it's cool. People don't get burned out. Okay. Yeah, meanwhile, you'll do 18 other shows. <laughs> I, different I would, people listen, listen to different shows. I prefer to think that mine are better. Well, you and I certainly always have a very nice time. And for the record, this is the first podcast I'm doing since two new titles I have coming out in September are in previews. You are first. You are, you are, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to use a vulgar term like that. I'll just say you're firsties. Mm hmm. And, um, and that's partially because previews just came out last night. Right. And here I am today. Poof. Your show first. Yes. So, well, welcome to, um, you know, your sober vodka o'clock. I'm not, however. Well, you know, I, I, I did, as I, as I put on the Twitter yeah. uh, or the Facebook, I don't remember which one, I, I did bust out a Fago Rock and Rye out of cold storage, okay. which is caffeine-free. You know, I haven't even had caffeine in about at least a decade. You know, I'm straight edge, which is why it's always so much fun to be on your show. I know. One of the many reasons. That's you know, but uh, so this is I, I am partaking in a special drink as well. That's my point. It does look delicious. It's it's very tasty. So you have to save me one. I I will find a way to get you a rock and ride at some point. Save me one, and I might add vodka to it anyway. But <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, you know, I understand the nature of the show, and we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's true. I would have to taste it first. It might go better with rum. <sighs> Just hurts my heart. No, I would never not hurt your heart. You do, not, you do not corrupt the rock and rye. It's Fago. It's I. It's the insane clown posse's favorite drink. Rock and rye is a cocktail. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It is. <laughs> now you'll appreciate you'll appreciate this being vodka o'clock. I just found out. I'd say in the last six months that a margarita uh-huh. is a m- mixed drink. Oh. It's a mixed drink, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought a margarita was like a beer. Like you just get a margarita. Oh, no. It's it's a foofy, islandy kind of drink. Yeah. And, and and someone was talking about, give me a margarita with such and such. And I said, uh, I don't know, like wild goose. Is that like our drink or something? Or uh, uh, Well, there's great goose, wild mate, turkey. Something. Uh, some bird thing. And anyway, and I was like, why would you mix margar- a margarita with uh, this other liquor? And they're looking at me, and I'm like, 
uh, I'm just asking. I mean, usually people just get a margarita. I've never heard of you mixing it with something. And they're like, no. Well, it is, it is like the, uh, the drink of Cinco de Mayo. Uh, right, but so, I, I just didn't know that it was made out of, like, multiple drinks. Yeah, it's like, well, it's in multiple ingredients, yeah. It's a cocktail. Um, I, it's not my thing. I don't particularly go for those um, because they rim the glasses with salt, which I do not like. Couldn't you put sugar on it or something? Or? I would rather have sugar. I love to rim my glasses in sugar. I Sometimes, like, if I go to a real nice restaurant, I get pink lemonade. Mm-hmm. Which the hierarchy of drinks, it's like Shirley Temple's, uh, Rock and Rye, uh, Werner's, Pink Lemonade, and there are no other drinks. But, uh, sometimes I go to a real fancy place and get Pink Lemonade, they rim the, the top with, uh, sugar, because I'm 12 and I get, like, Pink Lemonade. So that's pretty awesome. So I feel like I'm, like, you know, like, during a Shirley Temple, I'm, like, drinking, like, a, a grown-up drink. Well, I did, um, you know, start to formulate recipes. Yeah, last time we talked, I think you were talking about doing a recipe book, and there was going to be a non-alcoholic, the Dirk Manning. There is. There's a, um, yeah. Where is it? It's, I believe I sent it to you, because um, it does have, like, multiple ingredients, so it's not just, like, an easy, super easy thing to throw together, as long as you have the ingredients, but it's... um. Durango tequila is the this wait, is the wait, regular version. How's it a Dirk Manning drink that has alcohol in it? It is because there's there's two versions. There's the regular well, what's version. The, what's, what's the Dirk Manning version? Oh well, then okay. Well, the Dirk Manning version is the. Remember we were discussing Hagen Dazs blackberry sorbet. Yes. It has that orange juice, frozen sliced bananas, and frozen peaches pureed in a blender. That might be right. It's a little fruity, but Shirley Temple's are fruity, and I guess I'm a little fruity in the scheme of things. So I, that, and, I, would, uh, I would prefer something chocolatey, but I guess there's not much you can do with that. No, I have a million chocolate things. Hmm. I do. Well, I'll take I'll, 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 I don't know if you ever sent me the recipe or not. Or the, where's the book? What's the progress of the book? The book's not as done. I, as I turn the tables on the interviewer, my, look, my first interview on this, uh, my stuff coming out, and I'm already blowing it. Um, well, I hope I look forward to reading the book when it comes out. Well, I don't know. You might, you might. I don't know. But there's, but I have plenty of chocolate. Like, cause you, there's like a drink with Nutella thrown in. I mean, seriously, you can throw anything in a blender. Hmm. Well, I'll take all right. When the book comes out, I look forward to uh, to getting to try the uh, the Dirk Manning. All right. Well, you know, you have to approve it first. So if you don't like it, then when we're done, you can email me the recipe. I'll go find the ingredients and try it, and I'll let you know. Okay. That sounds that sounds all right. All right. Deal. One step closer to reality. We are getting things done on Vodka Clock. Look at that. See, this is why you only have me on once a year. Uh, well, I appreciate the collaborative process. See, I would, I want to, like, you know, have the experience of working with you. And if coming up with one drink is as close as I'm going to get, then, um, you know, there, there it is. There it is. Whoop! There because, it is. Because as we discussed, we're in a bunch of books together, but we don't uh, work together. And I would, you know, coming out next year that hasn't even been formally announced yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. So I will do whatever it takes to partner up. Well, you are in a story I wrote. You are in Tales of Mystery, Volume 1. You're in uh, Chapter 13, the last story. You're a character in there. 
That's true. So we did kind of collaborate that way, I guess. I guess so. I didn't have any. I got to write dialogue for your character. Yeah, I was going to say, I, didn't, I wasn't really involved in it. You approved it. No, kind of. I didn't. I saw the end. <laughs> I saw it after you, it was you, done. Well, no, you approved being in it, and you yeah. trust my judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So they see. There you go. I have tales of mystery news too, but I really can't talk too much about that. So. But you can because you put it on Facebook already. I I, I cryptically teased that. Well, I will say this. Hold on. Where is it? Rifle to my desk here. Do you hear that? Yeah. Do you know what this is? No. It's a publishing contract for Tales of Mystery. There. Big news! Exclusive! That I... But you won't tell me what. Well, I don't want to talk out of school. I want to make sure the... Make sure it's all done. Eyes are... Looked over and finalized, right? Eyes are crossed and teeth are dotted. (laughs) Every time. Um, But now, that's up online already, or are you talking about new stuff? Uh, I believe the plan is we are going to uh, release the first volume that's all online, Procreation of the Wicked, as a trade paperback, and then go right into volume two, okay. which no one has seen yet. I've done a little couple tiny previews on Facebook here and there. Yeah. Uh, volume one's illustrated by Josh Ross, uh, Austin McKinley, and Sean Brest of the colors. And volume two, Seth DeMoose is illustrating it, and I believe Anthony Lee will be doing the colors. Oh, and just a good guy. From, uh, we interact on the uh, on the Anthony Anthony Lee. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Said, yeah. We sorry, Anthony. we interact on the uh, Twitters and Facebooks and stuff. Anthony is a fantastic human being. I actually got to meet him for the first time in San Diego last year, and very tall, very good guy. Uh, it was weird because like at San Diego, at one point, it was like me. It was like a Nightmare World reunion. It was like me, Anthony Lee. Kristen Perry did the covers. Jason Meek and Mark Winters were all together, and none of and like and none of us took a picture. All of us together at once. Oh, oh my god! Well, I don't like pictures anyway. It's well documented, but still, it would have been something cool just to have, you know. Like like I'd never met Anthony Lee in person before because he he lives in England. Uh, Jason Meek and Mark Winters live in Arizona. Kristen lives in uh, Seattle. So everyone's all spread out. You know, and I live on the internet, so we're all spread out everywhere. But we were all together right there at the uh, at the uh, Image Comics Shadowline booth, and uh, we never even thought about taking a picture. Well, that's just silly. It is. You know, um, he, he he says about not taking pictures when there's a thousand of them of him online. There's really not, but. Um. All right, so we've got a little bit of mystery news. That's good. Yeah, I'm really excited about really excited about working with this publisher. Uh, we have some cool plans for how we're going to go about publishing it. I'm really excited. I'm going to start to do some um, uh, delve into some new uncharted territory for myself, which I'm really excited about. Oh, and you're not going to ex- you know extrapolate on that. What is? Well, I'll tell you when it's announced. Maybe I can come back on and we'll we'll, we'll talk. About you were such a tease, and then it'll take six months to schedule you. Uh, it, it's not going to be six months. All right. I'm holding uh-huh. you to that. It is now recorded, and I will play this sound bite back. That sounds fair, because I, I, if all goes according to what we're talking about, it, we're not going to wait six months to uh, get going with Tales of Mystery, not by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Because, meanwhile, this last year, you've had the Right or Wrong book out and has been selling out every time you do a show, and you've done uh-huh. 800 shows already this year. I did uh, five shows in five weeks. 
Um, and so that's, you know, must feel great that the book kept selling out. Yeah, uh, Nightmare World books kept selling out, which is awesome because, you know, I mean, there hasn't been a new Nightmare World book in this, this fall will be two years. But the Nightmare World books continue to sell out right or wrong with selling out every time. Um, um, did a bunch of panels. Um, yeah, Nightmare World sold out every time. We just released Right or Wrong on Kindle, which is pretty awesome. But, yeah, it, it's cool, man. The, the response to Right or Wrong, the book, has been really, really positive, which is nice. Um, I, I'm just absolutely tickled that people are responding to it as well as they are. Yeah, I've noticed online that um, you get some really great feedback from people, um, you know, like on Twitter and Facebook and stuff. Yeah, I just got a, a tweet the other day from a guy from Spain that bought it. Yeah. Uh, which it's like, man, it's crazy. You know, it's like Spain. Like, wow. I mean, I know I've sold books overseas before and stuff, but it's it just crazy to me. You know, and I talk about this in the book, you know, I came up without the Internet being as accessible and as connecting as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh to have a guy from Spain like, hey, Dirk, I got your book. It's really good. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. It's like I just want to give the Internet a big old hug. You know, it's uh, – but, you know, even the other day um, I uh, have a friend who's a, a writer, and he doesn't write comics per se. He, he, dabble, he wants to dabble in a little bit, but he writes prose. And uh, he picked up right or wrong and was telling me, and he said, yeah, man. He goes, this book's just really – he goes – he said I he, – he's kind of a big, hardcore goth dude hanging out with me, go figure, right? And uh, he said, he goes, I hate to use this word, it's so cheesy, but he was telling another friend of ours, he goes, but the book's just, he kind of looks at me and just goes, it's really inspirational, which is perfect, which is exactly my point, that's exactly what I wanted it to be, is inspirational, informative, and entertaining. And, uh, you know, and, and, and just a real practical guide for people who want to write comics, so. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I'd love to uh, follow the responses. Um, you know, and my, my small part in blurbing the book, of course. Yeah, you even have a, a, a blurb in there. People can check it out. The book, uh, it's, it's right or wrong, you know, W-R-I-T-E, uh, right or wrong, a writer's guide to creating comics. And, uh, we actually haven't sold out through previews and right now it's available only on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon or you can get it for your Kindle through Amazon as well. But yeah, you can have a blurb in there and, uh. Yeah, I mean, anybody that's interested in writing comics, I just tell people flat out, I'm like, this is the best $15 you will ever spend on yourself, ever. And it's like I'm not trying to build people for money either because, you know, I mean, I've done the column online for over five years now, you know, and the only reason the original columns aren't online is because when Newsarama switched servers when we were at Newsarama, they lost a lot of the old columns into the ether. But the book collects, like, 20, about 30 columns worth of the early nuts and bolts stuff. And I tell people, it was online for free for five years. I'm not trying to bilk anybody, but if you're serious about wanting to create comics, as a guy that came from nothing, this is everything I could tell anybody about the process. It's theory and it's practice. You know, why do you want to, ask yourself, why do you want to create comics? What do you want to do this? What are the stories you want to tell? And just everything I could tell anybody for 216 pages about creating comics. And, you know, for 15 bucks, I mean, you know, hours worth of me just pouring out everything I could ever tell anybody. And and I talked about, like, two dozen artists in the book, two towards the end about it. Um, well, I know that you've also done some, um, you know, when you've been to conventions, you've done panels based on it as well. Mm-hmm. And so people have gotten to um, either ask questions that maybe they, you know, they haven't read the book yet. Yeah. Or just new interactions, new things to think about, new questions like, okay, well, at this point, this is, you know, you know, 10, 15, whatever years later, you know, and, and get 
to talk to you personally. Yeah, that, and that, that's really important to me too. Anytime I go to a, uh, a convention, I, I find out there's an opportunity for me to do a panel just so, because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that I was sitting at the, you know, in panels, you know, I mean, I have notes right here in my desk from, yeah, here they are, from, <laughs> gosh, 2001 notes, like panels from watching, like, Joe Casada give a panel and, and Mark Wade give a panel about writing for comics. And I always keep those notes right in here, right next to my desk. I mean, they're, like, literally, like, I don't, I could barely have to turn to even reach them um, to remind myself, you know, what it was like, you know. I mean, the fact that I, you know, write so many comics now and work with so many artists and, and you know, can work with publishers and, and, you know, have publishers want to meet with me and talk to me, it's it's a privilege, you know, but it's also something I, I busted my ass to earn, Uh and made a lot of sacrifices to do this, but at the same time, I want to do everything I can to help other people, which was the whole point of the book and the whole point of me doing panels. And you know, I took the uh, I took the column over to after taking about a year off from it or so. Um, took the uh, the column over to Bleeding Cool, and you know, I'm doing it there. And uh, yeah, I want to ask you about that. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, because you you know posted that there's like a milestone you're like hitting like number what 75 75 yeah we kept the original numbering when i switched over okay so which you know i mean obviously by the time that we we post the recording it'll be past tense but Uh, it might be pretty close be pretty close um so it's a recap of you know like highlights and and whatnot to to that point um how what's the time period that you're covering uh, column number 75, actually, um, <clears throat> it's a new column, new material, but it's about, it was very difficult for me to write because I wrote the majority of it in second person because I wanted to talk directly to the readers. Um, uh, but it's about doing the five shows in five weeks, which, you know, we touched on that a minute ago. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it was only a couple of years ago that I would, could afford to do one or two shows a year if I was lucky. And, you know, I mean, that's, like, to the point, like, where I wouldn't eat. <laughs> you know, I'd, like, have, like, Raymond noodles for, like, two weeks so that I could afford to go do Wizard World Chicago, for example. Uh, you know, I just didn't have the funds to go do something like that, you know. Uh, I've only been to San Diego one time, and that's when, you know, uh, Jim Valentino uh, took me out there to work with him at the Shadowline table. I'm still not to a point where I personally can afford to go attend or set up at San Diego. And I think a lot of creators are in that position, you know, and, and I wanted to talk to to aspiring creators or up-and-coming creators and say, look, you know, five years ago, I was in the spot where I was doing one show a year. Now I'm doing five shows in five weeks. Um, and I just talk a lot about that experience and what it was like and the things that happened and comparing that to five years in the past. And I guess I'm, I'm kind of, in the column, I'm talking to the readers about how, you know, these are the things that will be happening to you if you stay with it and if you do what you're supposed to do, you know, like the old Hulk Hogan, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, you know, and all that, you know. But if you stick with it, these are the things you're going to expect to happen for yourself. Well, yeah. I want to know what you hope to happen that you haven't covered. In the column or in my life? <laughs> um well, I mean, your column would be, I guess, highlights of what yeah. is your life. So I want to know the next time, you know, when it comes to column 100, what are you hoping is in there? 
I hope by column 100, people will think it's pretty awesome that Dirk Manning, a writer of the status I am at at that point, still continues to do that column to reach out and help people. I want to be more known. I want people to know more about who I am and what I do. A lot of people know who I am. A lot of people know what I do. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of people know me as the black box TV guy. A lot of people know, you know, a guy that written some of the black box TV episodes. Uh, some people know me for Nightmare World, Tales of Mystery, you know, stuff like that. My horror comics. And then a bulk of people know me for right or wrong, the guy that writes about writing for comics. But they've never read a lot of my comic work. Um, by the time I get to column 100, I want to be to the point where people know me as the, know me first and foremost as the comic writer who continues to do this column or has done this column for years to help other creators create comics. Okay, but what that's um, that's what you want your readers to feel. I want to know what you want to have accomplished. Ooh, put me on the spot. Of course, that's I will. Sneaky. Um, I mean, I'm pantsless and drinking vodka, so expect uh, sneaky. All right, all right. Well, that's Saturday night, right? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, not so much. Um, I would, you know, I'd like to be writing, I'd like to have written or be writing some high-profile high books in, in terms of the market, really, which I mean, kind of, I guess kind of plays in what I said a minute ago, but... Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to write Spider-Man. Uh, Dan Slott was put on the earth to write Spider-Man, you know. Um, but I want the books I'm working on to be considered high-profile books by readers, you know, buzz books, books that people are like, wow, that's a cool book, man. You know, that's that's what I want. I want my name to have that kind of value. I want people to see what I do. And, you know, and I'm moving towards that point. You know, I had to take a little time away from doing comic work as much as I wanted. Um for some reasons, but uh, I want to be at that point where people know my books and say, Dirk Manning's doing that book. I'm going to check that book out. I heard that book's pretty awesome. And then check it out. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully in the mix that'll be things that we we get to. Um, Because I know you've got – you know, one of the reasons that we're timing this the way that we are is because Love Stories to Die For is, yes. is in previews. And I know that you've just got things about um, the Big Dog Inc. series about mm-hmm. um, Oz and the Wicked West or something. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, those are, you know, building. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, Love Stories to Die For, it's kind of a spinoff of... Um, the series I did online for Shadowline called uh, Love Stories About Death. We changed it to a slightly less heavy-handed name. Names have never been my strong bite titles, you know, names titles. But, yeah, Love Stories to Die For, uh, it's in previews right now. Um, order code, uh, well, it's on page 191 in previews. The uh, the uh, September issue, the, what would it be, the July, pardon me, the July issue of previews for the books that come out in September. But it's on page 191. And it's a real cool book. It's a flip book. There's a 22-page story on one side. You read it. Like, oh, that's really cool. And then you flip it over, and there's a whole other 22-page one-shot on the other side. And each story is written by me, then drawn by a different art team. Um, right. So um, the first story is about Vikings and vampires fighting, yes. fighting over some sort of very special baby. 
So what are yes. you willing to tell to tell that uh, isn't too spoilery? Uh, it, it's 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 macho. <laughs> it's probably it's probably the most macho thing I've ever written. Uh, yeah, the vampires don't sparkle. I can give that away. Um, very feral, old school vampires. Um, it, it's a very macho story, but it's also it, it is a love story, um, which sounds very unusual. I know, given the the context of Vikings versus vampires, but uh, it's very much a love story. Um, it's about some very Christian sympathetic vampires who stumble across a mo- uh, uh, I was going to say a monkery, <laughs> a monastery that uh, old joke. Sorry. Uh, they stumble across a monastery that's under siege by these uh, vampires. And uh, dusk is settling in, and the Vikings agree to help the monks um, stave off the vampires for the night, for this for this siege. And they say, yeah, now we stave them off, we'll, we'll kill them, man. We'll wipe them out. We'll wipe the floor of these, vampires, with these, these, these thieves. And they're not quite made aware initially that the thieves are vampires. And uh, when the action starts, Rich Bonk's doing the art. He did some Spawn, the Dark Ages back in the day. Just straight up old school, big bulging muscles and just these, you know, I don't know if you'll have on the website any of the sample art that I uh, sent you. Uh, you're welcome to post any of those five pages. Okay, we'll do. But, um, yeah, man, just just big ripped Vikings, you know, the Amana Marth style, you know, the metal bag, just big, huge Vikings fighting just these feral, nasty vampires, and uh, a lot of action, a lot of just, it's just just balls to the wall, pedal to the metal action, as these vampires and Vikings go at it for 22 pages, and some things unfold through the course of the story, what's really going on. Well, I know Bonk, because I'm pretty sure that he's contributed to our uh, our big fundraiser in October, our uh, Wonder Woman Day, Superheroes Day thing. Um so I know he's from, you know, yeah. at least somewhat uh, familiar at Comic Fusion. Yeah, and he, he's done a bunch of Xenoscope covers. Um, uh, he's like, inked an issue of Supergirl recently. Uh, real old school, Im- old school image, just big, jacked up art. And we, we wanted to work together. He actually, way back in the day, was initially going to draw one of the early Nightmare World stories, which was actually also a, a barbarian story, um, which never came to fruition because of other commitments and things. So we've been wanting to work together for years. Um, and, yeah, great artist, and I'm just, just just raw energy on those pages, man. It's crazy. And you're just going to see some stuff that you've never – you'll see some stuff. And I'm not a big fight comic guy, but this issue is totally a fight issue. And you'll see some stuff in this issue that I promise you you've never seen anywhere before in a horror movie, a horror comic, anywhere when these when these two sides go at it. It's just it's hardcore, man. It's 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 pretty wild. And you know, and the idea is that we're supposed to find a love story out of this. There is very much a love story in there. Yes. All right, all right. Um, and when you flip the book over and you have mm-hmm. this space odyssey, um, what's going on in there? Yeah, uh, the first story, the working title for a long time has been, been uh, Bloodlust, and I think uh, pending um, Rich's approval and stuff like that, I'm actually going to name it after an Amana Marth, or a Dragoon inspiration for the title, maybe, from an, uh, an Amana Marth song, but the, the to be determined. The uh, the science fiction story on the other side, so yeah, you get like this Viking vampire story on one side, the other side you get a science fiction story. Uh, it's called Symptom of the Universe, 
and uh, it's about a space station that's been overrun by aliens. And this husband, this big old, you know, grizzled cable-looking guy, gets his wife to uh, uh, an uh, escape pod and says, you know, stay here. I'm going to go detonate the ship to, you know, wipe out the aliens and, you know, make sure, you know, just, just kill all these things to make sure that nothing happens. And, uh, you know, they don't they don't spread or anything else and just destroy them. And he says there's a escape pod here for two people. If I don't make it back, just leave without me. Give me, you know, a half hour or whatever. And he leaves, <clears throat> and the uh, the story picks up with this woman and the uh, the wife in the room with the one remaining escape pod on the whole ship that would carry out two people. And you find out that she has uh, snuck her lover in with her. And they're getting ready to leave, and she happens to look up the monitors and because, you know, surely, I mean, her husband's going to get killed. I mean, he's like a badass, but, I mean, come on. You know, this whole ship's overrun with, you know, aliens and the whole thing's falling apart. And he went out of his way to protect her, you know, and uh, he has to make it all the way to the, you know, to the to the deck and back. Well, she finds out much to her horror that he is, in fact, making his way back and most likely will make it back to the escape pod. And uh, so she kind of has to choose, you know, do I throw my lover back out or do I leave with him and leave my husband who saved my life? Yeah, I, um, I gotta say tough choices are, uh, tough choices are tough, as they say (laughs) on the Twitters. Yeah, tough choices are tough, that's a true story. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's a much more, um, obvious, I guess. Yeah, much more obvious love story. Story. And there's even some kind of twists in there as well. Um, but that's the, uh, that's the, 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 that's the first five pages of that one alone. That's pretty sweet. I'm really excited to see that. And Owen Johnny's drawn that. He's done some stuff for Big Dog Inc. He did some uh, artwork with the glory, some of the colors and stuff like that. And, again, uh, I worked with Owen very, very early on in Nightmare World uh, and just so excited to be working with him. We've been trading ideas back and forth for years, and the circumstances finally became right where we can work together. And his artwork, it's just this European, I'm almost going to go as far as a black sad style art. Uh, just, again, you can show the, you know, I, I sent, I think, three preview pages. Put those up mm-hmm. and people can see I'm not BSing them. Yeah, we'll do. Gorgeous, gorgeous art uh, and just fantastic story. He's a big horror buff like I am. Uh, this is a story, Symptom of the Universe is a story I've wanted to, to write for many, many years, but I've really waited for the right person to do it with. And, uh, oh, it's just going to be an absolute treat. People, I think, by both stories are really going to be blown away. So this is going to be available in September? Yeah, uh, our, our hope is the first week of September it'll be out, but it'll be out in comic stores in September. And the thing is, you know, I really encourage people to order this because this is not a trade paperback. This is an issue. Uh, it's done in one. It's just a double. It's a double issue, though. Yeah, yeah, it's a I mean, double it's, issue. It's you know. forty-eight pages. You know, twenty-two pages on one side, twenty-two pages on the other. But this is not necessarily a book that. You know, oh, uh, you know, three months now. Can you order me that? I heard about this love stories to die for. Yeah, no. This is it, man. This is not a trade paperback. This is not going to be in perpetual stock. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, the, the diamond order code, you know, it's, it's JUL13 for July 13, 0432, or you can tell them 0433. It's on page 191 in previews. This is it. If that sounds interesting, pre-order it. Because if they don't get it, and, and I'm just going to say it, it's an image number one book. 
you do the math. <laughs> Look at the track record right now of image number one books. Right. Will, Let alone something like this. Will there be um, digital versions? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'll be on Comixology. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would okay. I mean, I would I don't see why not. Okay. No. Just double-checking. Yeah, I would imagine so. Because I, what I noticed was when I was going through previews um, and I tried to search on things in Comixology, it's, I don't think it's there until it's available. Like, you can't pre-order, right. which no, kind of no. drives me nuts. Like, I want no. to be able to pre-order. Yeah, we just have to, like, keep a list or something. But, uh, yeah, I, mean, I imagine it'll be available on Comixology. I don't know why not. That'll be, you know, fun. People have to flip their iPads upside down to read the second story or whatever. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that it would even do that, though. I doubt, I don't, I'm sure it would. No, we'll format it the right way. Yeah, it'll be but, good. Uh, but it's going to be real cool. And, uh, like I said, I mean, this is a book that if people want a physical copy of it, pre-order it now. This is your chance. Uh, this isn't even a book I'm probably going to have on the convention circuit for very long because, you know, I'll have so many copies and then eBay, you know, and I'd hate to see people do that. I, the book, I think, is selling for, um, I want to say four ninety nine, which is actually cheaper than two single issues together anyway. So it's a really sweet deal, um, and I'm just really excited about it. And like I said, it's a, it's an image number one book. So this is, uh, yeah, it's four ninety nine, forty eight 48 pages. Full color. This is it. Get it while you can. You heard it here first. <laughs> so um, talk to me then about uh, the Wizard of Oz. What's going on there, and how did you get pulled into this project? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm actually writing starting in September. Uh, previews, there was kind of a, a mix-up. They listed Tom as the writer for this. But starting with issue 12 of uh, The Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, which is on page 262 in previews this month. Um, 262. Uh, I am writing what was going to be a three-issue story arc for Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, which is going to be the origin of the flying monkeys, although in this comic they're actually flying gorillas. Uh, but, breaking news, it's going to be a four-issue story arc, so I'm even more excited about that. As I was writing it, uh, really started getting into it and stuff like that, um, I talked to Tom uh, over at Big Dog Inc., and, and I said, you know, I could do this in three issues. I'm, I'm not one to pad out a story for the sake of padding it out. You know, I've made my my career to date mainly on eight-page stories. Boom, 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 you know. But I told him, I said, you know what I'm doing with this? Uh bringing in the Winkies into it as well and stuff like that. I think this would be really cool doing four issues. And I talked to him about it, and he was down with it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I'm doing a four-issue story arc for uh, Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, from Big Dog, Inc. And for people that aren't familiar with Big Dog, Inc., um, fantastic small publisher, put out really good stuff. Uh, I've always prided myself on being a guy that doesn't go after work for higher jobs. And uh, I've been hearing some stuff about them and things like that and discovered their books and uh, actually got to sit down and kind of, like, have dinner and stuff with them one night at a convention. Uh, they were very nice and invited me out to, the, to their place. And we went and hung out and talked, and I, I'd read their books. Uh, Legend of Oz, The Wicked West is about The Wizard of Oz as if it took place in the Wild West. And, and I've gone on record saying this. This concept works so much better than it has any right to work. I mean, it is fantastic. I mean, what a great, great book. And Tom's just been doing a great job with it. Allison, who does the art, is just absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, the, we were kind of talking a little bit and stuff, and they said, you know, and 
you know, asked if I'd be interested in doing something. You know, we're kind of, you know, doing the dance a little bit. Well, would you be interested in working anything? I said, oh, I'd love to do something in Legend of Oz, the, the Wicked West. And they said, oh, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'd love to do the origin of the Flying Monkeys. And they kind of laughed and said, well, yeah, that's what everyone wants to do, the origin of the Flying Monkeys. And I never, ever, ever do this. Ever, ever, ever. I don't give away my ideas. But right in front of them, I said, well, this is what I would do. And a week later, I had the contract. Now, is the artist consistently the same, or is it like your story has a different artist? No, you have the same artist. Same artist that's been doing the whole series. Okay, so you didn't have any, you know, you didn't get to, like, handpick your artist. You already knew what you were getting. No, no, yeah. Um, There there were some questions about who's going to draw this and stuff like that. And it was decided that Allison has been drawing the whole series, who is a gentleman from Italy, that he's going to draw the book. And his art's been getting, I mean, you know, like any artist, has grown so much over this book. I saw the cover. Because um, the other cool thing in my story is um, for people that aren't reading Legend of Oz, the Wicked West, I think the second trade should be out by now or about to come out if it's not already. Um, you know, Dorothy, obviously, uh, you know, spoiler alert, kills the Wicked Witch of the West. Which means that she become she is now the she is now considered the witch of the West, you know, and uh, in the series she's going to be kind of out of the picture for a while. And when I pick up the book with issue twelve, we see her again for the first time in in quite some time in, in regards to the book in several months, and we see her now as the witch of the West, and she's in charge of the flying gorillas. And um, <clears throat> for me. This uh, rock and rye. That's <laughs> all right. You're doing fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm not used to drinking the poppy and all excited. Yeah, so like the first page of issue 12 will reintroduce to Dorothy, who's now basically serving the role of being the wicked, uh, the, not the wicked witch per se, but she's the witch of the West. And she's in control of the flying monkeys, the flying gorillas. And it just goes from there. And uh, man, people. Well, I've never actually read the Oz books. So I don't know where they go or what they do. Oh, man. Yeah, I honestly, until I took this gig. I was too scared to read. No way. No way. Yeah. Well, everyone's scared. You know, I made a joke on, on, on Facebook a while back about, you know, when a monkey pushes someone into a river, it's funny. When a gorilla throws someone into a river, it's terrifying. You know, it's like, what's the, what's the only way you can make the flying monkey scarier? Well, you make him flying gorillas with giant bat wings. <laughs> you know, and... And, uh, they were scary been, enough. They were yeah. already scary enough. Oh, yeah. And anyone's ever been to a zoo and, like, had, like, a gorilla charged with a glass or something? That stuff's no joke, man. And these are big, giant, you know, not giant, I mean, they're just big, you know, standard size, but still huge, flying gorillas. And, oh, my God. I mean, it's it's fun, man. It's I don't want to give away too much of the story, but um, but we do base it. Uh, I have based it fairly close on the books. Um, there's some – I fill in a lot of the blanks because there actually is uh, an origin about how the Wicked Witch of the West got control of the Flying Monkeys. That's in the books. And I, I kind of stick pretty close to that origin with the Golden Cap and things like that. But I also fill in a lot of the background from the monkeys – the, the gorilla's perspective, you know, what what was going on with them? Who were the flying monkeys before the Wicked Witch showed up and what's going on and how they try to stop her and all this? Um, and the Winkies, who in the movie are the, oh, yo, the soldiers, 
how the Winkies also factored in all of this. Because, you know, I mean, when you watch the movie, for example, um, the Wicked Witch shows up, the Wicked Witch is there, and she has Winkies and she has Flying Monkeys. Okay. Right, but you don't, there's, there's a lot of backstory not given. Yeah, there's a lot of backstory about what's going on and how this all happened. Uh, starting with Legend of Oz, Wicked Witch number 12, we'll find out about how the Wicked Witch got control of the flying gorillas and the Winkies and how all that stuff came together. Um, real fun, man. Uh, really shows, uh, a different side of the type of writing I do as well. A lot of people associate me mainly with, associate me mainly with horror stuff, but people that have read a lot of my stuff also know there's a lot of, a lot of heart and what I do and a lot of passion. And uh, this is very much a passion play. And uh, believe me, man, the Wicked Witch is scary as hell. Um, what ha- what happens to the, the, the flying gorillas is very tragic. I mean, you know how it ends, but how we get there and what happens from point A to point B and how Dorothy as the new witch reacts to all of this, that's really what the story is going to be about. And, uh, oh, man. There's such good money shots in this, man. It's just, I'm really letting Allison cut loose and things like that once I found out he was drawing it. And uh, I'm obviously very, very, very excited about this. And I'm very excited about what Big Dog Inc. does. Um, issue 12 has a standard cover, and E.I. is doing, uh, Ruffio is doing, a, who let people know from Xenoscope covers, is doing the alternate cover. Um, well, I, the only reason that I had ever heard of them was because they did um, Robbie, uh, Robert Anderson's uh, Rex the Zombie Killer and uh about the um sort of like runaway animals that have to deal with zombies and uh and I love that book and yeah. I I was like Rob why who is this big dog ink what are you talking about and he's like oh they're they're big they're in previews I'm like okay because it was just kind of surprising I'm like you know I was expected Rex to be done you know sort of self published or through one of the smaller press that I you know know of well, and that and that's something that I think a lot of us as comic fans and comic readers kind of get in this habit of like, well, I haven't heard of them; they can't be any good, you know. And and Big Dog Inc. just puts out fantastic stuff. I actually did a short story for them. How I originally got to know them, we uh, got a little off track, or I did. I did a short story for their superheroine book, uh, Critter. And I did a short story for the Critter Annual Number One. Uh, and what happened was Tom just put an ad out on Facebook and said, "Hey, I'm looking for someone that'd be interested in writing a short story for the Critter Annual." And man, I jumped on that like white on rice. I'm like, "I would do this," because you know I, I saw the stuff they were doing and really enjoyed it. And you know, Tom goes way back to the digital webbing forum days. He was okay. Critter's daddy, you know. So I knew of what he'd been doing for a long time, and. Uh, and Big Dog Inc., I mean, you can even talk to, and here's the other thing, you can talk to any of the creators that work with them. They treat their creators right, their books are put out with care, they're on time, they're just great, fantastic stuff from top to bottom. Critters, their superhero book, you know, they're doing uh, Legend of Oz, The Wicked West, you know, I'm starting with issue 12 there. Uh, Earth of Mind, they have a cool horror book, they have some other cool books coming out I'm not allowed to talk about because I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, because, um, but yeah, just. They're, I mean, they have you know they have, they have a section in previews, so if people yeah. are curious, they can they can check that yeah. out. And if you don't get previews, there actually are ways that um like certain websites that that put some of the previews information online. Because what annoys me about um the previews website is that it's sort of hard to find the information and like only things that they feel really vested in do they feature and give like the full like descriptions and stuff. On, on the official website. So it's 
very often you have to go to a secondary website to actually get that information. Well, yeah, and and uh, they're they're well worth uh, they're well worth checking out. Their 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 convention presence is is really improving dramatically, um, which is really nice, you know, to see them doing well. And and you know, like I was talking about earlier, the fact they can do more shows and just go to bigdoginc.com, but it's ink i n k like ink you draw with. And, uh, you know, they do Penny for Your Soul or some minor. I mean, they do such good stuff. Scheherazade, they got this new book coming out called Scheherazade that's just, oh, faint. Oh, my God. I, I really, I, I, yeah, I saw the covers. Uh, the covers are really beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. I mean, they have, they have a little bit, yeah, they have, they have a little bit of the Zenoscope cheesecake thing going. It's a little overboard, but, um, but at least the, the, you know, the stories, when I, when I, you know, when I get the emails, it sounds like stuff that I would want to check out. Yeah, you know, I mean, the covers are very beautiful and stuff like that, but this is not, I mean, a totally different style of, of storytelling and, and, and books. Owen Gianni, who's doing the one of the two stories in the uh, Low Stress to Die For flipbooks, doing a story, for, or doing a, a miniseries for them as well. Um, I, I Yeah, like I said, I, I just, I, I cannot say enough good things about Big Dog Inc. Uh, really great people just going out there and making great books, which is, you know, oh, you want a horror book? They got one of those. Here's a superhero book. We got this. We got that. You know, they're just doing some really cool stuff right now. That's cool. Well, I do hope to run into them somewhere. I'm not sure if they would ever table any place where I would be, but um, I would like to introduce myself. Yeah, they're very good people, and uh, their their convention presence is growing. But you know, it's like like I talked like you know kind of coming back to what I said earlier, uh, like I talked about Right or Wrong seventy five that's coming out or should be out right around the time this podcast uh, right. goes live. Um, you know, it's baby steps, and you just got to work at it and work at it and go and go and go. They're setting up at San Diego this year, which they weren't expecting to ever to do. You know, and they're 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 able to do that now. Um, Real positive, and again, you know, a lot of people buy books out of routine, even if they don't like them. And, and I say all the time, you know, if that's the case, if you're buying books you don't like, take that money and buy something new and independent instead. Independent yeah, we, does we, not. That's a losing battle. Now it's a losing battle because from my years at the comic shop, it's a rare, very rare case when you can get somebody to stop giving Marvel and DC their money. Because they would rather complain about, you know, what's going on in Spider-Man than, than do something and check out something fresh. And that's, I mean, that's why I've really completely migrated to indies. Because, like, Jupiter's Legacy is out right now. I didn't expect to like it. I'm like, oh, God, another superhero book, really? And I read the first two issues, and I'm actually really enjoying it because I'm like, oh, my God, I do not need to know all of this, like, extra baggage that I feel like I need to know when I try to read a Green Lantern book. And I love Green Lantern, but I gave up on him a long time ago. And, you know, you know, so, so stuff like Jupiter's Legacy is out, and you just sort of have to, you know, you just have to poke around. Well, right, and you got to look around and figure out, because Marvel and DC's job is to make you buy Marvel and DC books. And you go to major comic book websites, things like that, and a bulk of them cater to that. Because everyone wants to rub their stink on Spider-Man and Batman and Green Lantern. And I reviewed the Spider-Man book. Look at everybody. Because people want people to talk about it. 
and I think one of the major areas of deficit right now, and one of the things I'm starting to see pop up more and more, and and, and I give, you know, for as much crap as Rich Johnston gets, one of the things he does on Bleeding Cool that I really appreciated is he covers anything people bring to him. If you went to him tomorrow and you want to do a story on Big Dog Inc., he'd run it. He might run it on Sunday, on a weekend, because it's weeks, but whatever, you know. But what I'm really hoping to see happen here in the future, and I'm seeing it already, is more people get involved in giving some coverage and talking. Instead of bitching about the books that you don't like, talk about the books that are good that people maybe don't know about, you know. Uh, I actually just saw um, uh, Josh Adams talking about that on Twitter. He, that's ex- pretty much exactly what he said. He's like, can we, you know, instead of talking about, instead of complaining about stuff, talk about what you like. Right, and that that should be the mantra, and I've talked about that in right around before, and I'm sure I will be again soon, you know. We need to talk about what we like, and if we're fans of this medium, we need to start talking about what's good and what's, what's enjoyable and, and turning each other on to good new material, you know. Um, BPRD is one of the best freaking books on the market right now. And there's but, an itty bitty Hellboy by Art and Franco now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's gonna be great. Like, I'm Hellboy, so the, Hellboy, the Hellboy Junior book back in the day was fantastic. But you know, I mean, the fact that BPRD is not as well known as Hellboy to me just blows my mind because it's just as good. And I'll just come out and say it. I, I love Mignola as an artist, and I love Hellboy as a character. BPRD is better than Hellboy as a book, in my opinion. And a lot of people that read it feel the same way. But for every four Hellboy readers, there's one BPRD reader because they because oh, it's the spin-off book. Well, it's not anymore. <laughs> you know, maybe if it started yeah. that way, you know. But we need to just you know put that stuff out there and start talking about comics that are good. That and if they're, if it's a good Marvel book, great. If it's a good DC book, fantastic. But if it's a good Big Dog Inc. book. Tell people about it. Check it out, you know. If it's a good image book, check it out. Tell people about it, you know. The thing is, the Marvel and DC books will be there. And they'll be there whether you – most of the big ones will be there if you buy them or not. Albeit the Morbius book for Marvel, for example, got canceled. And DC has canceled a lot of books due to lack of support. But right. by and large, a lot of the big books will be there. And you'll get a trade, if nothing else. You're going to get a trade. Well, I think that's part of the problem. In fact, I just mentioned this to Jimmy Palmiotti, was that, because All-Star Western was canceled. He's a great guy. He is. And and with All-Star Western canceled, I'm like, they need to start. Did that get canceled? Yeah, I think so. Um, They need to start looking at trade perspectives instead of basing everything on monthly numbers, because there's got to be a way for however their CFOs manage their finances, and I know nothing about it and I don't care to because it's not my thing, um, the the model is about story arcs now. That's, that's what everybody that I talk to is interested in. Nobody cares about monthly issues that, of just continuous, continuous, ongoing. Yes, we like the title to keep going, but we want story arcs and we want them in volumes and we want to be able to just buy them as a volume and say, look, I want this. It's, you know, six or eight issues or I want 12 issues and, and focus on that. And they've, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the creative team that's 
been hired, or they get the shaft because they're like, nobody, you know, we only made like, you know, 10,000 copies of this book this month. And, you know, when it, or if it dropped drastically from issue one to issue two, which all of them do, right. um, you know, they get screwed. And it's unfortunate. And these are guys, you know, these are not up-and-comer guys. These are people who have been in the business for a really long time, and they are feeling underappreciated. So there's something well, wrong there. There's a, couple, there's a couple aspects to this. One you know, you're asking Time Warner or Disney, in case Marvel and DC, to pay people for six months' worth of work that they may or may not see a return on. And that's just if you're work for hire. You know, that'd be like me walking up to Marvel and say, let me write Ghost Rider. Uh, let me write a Ghost Rider trade paperback. That's, uh, give me six months of paycheck, please. You know, they'd be like, what? We don't even know if it's going to sell. <laughs> you know, and then, two, for cre- people that do creator-owned books, you know, if I'm going to make a living on comics... No, you just I, need a day job. To I, I, well, well, the, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I can't, or the artists can't work for free for six months to do that. And that's, you know... To get a paycheck. They, they may or may not come. But I have said, but I do agree with you, and I think what we're seeing a transition to more and more, and it's going to start happening more and more, is digital issues print collections. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, what happens to the comic stores? Well, the comic stores are sort of migrating. I know mine in particular were, you know, pushing trades, and they're pushing the merchandising aspects. They are surviving on gaming, and they are surviving on Mm -hmm. T-shirts, you know. And, yeah, you can get all that shit on, you know, Amazon or whatever. You can. But there's, there's still no replacement for going into a store and talking to people. But, right, but but then the thing is, too, you have people going in, oh, uh, the new um, the new Dirk Manning book came out, and the next one will be out in another six months. There's not that camaraderie anymore there either. The, the, it would it would shift the the climate. And plus, I mean, and I know this because the three Nightmare World books came out only as trade paperbacks. Here's what stores do: they order one, and they wait for it to sell. Right. And then if they remember, they order another one. Yeah. For and- me as a creator, that's very damaging because you know it's like hey you don't have nightmare world in oh yeah i totally forgot about that or or when or when billy was working the register he forgot to write that down so now he could have sold you know uh, the comic store could have sold five ten more copies of nightmare world in the last three to six months but you know they forgot to order it you know but and that's not to say that you know obviously having good inventory things like that good inventory system a lot of a lot of it has to do it's not even just inventory a lot of it has to do with space it has mm-hmm. to do with how fresh the book is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking about something that came out oh, five sure. years ago, they might not have a copy. Right. Um, you know, I mean, yeah, there will always be a copy of Watchmen on our shelves. There will. Right. Um, there will always be Sin City. There will right. always be The Sandman. But, you know, that is rare. Um, even things like Queen and Country, we, you know, we run out of. And, we'll, you know, it's not always going to necessarily be there. But what is very... Yeah, at the same time, Greg Rucka just did this monster Kickstarter because people want to support his work. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And we're, trust me, my shop owners are huge, huge fans. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying, it's it's a very, it's a very big, unwieldy issue, and the whole, the whole culture and the whole climate is going to have to evolve. Yes, but it's really, really hard for them to pay their rent. Right. Uh, uh, You know, and that's, that's what they have to face. So, what, 
what does help, like we, you know, at Comic Fusion anyway, we have a big new shop and we try to get people in to do signings. So if we can't necessarily allot the real estate on the shelves to independent books and some stores specialize in independent books, like mm-hmm. shops like um, Isotope and Copacetic, right. those stores specialize in indie books. But if you can't, nonetheless, as a creator, get your butt in there to signings. I mean, I know it's not a con. I know you're going to be put out. You have to put up a little bit of money to get your ass there. But if you want to figure out, you know, do I have a fan base, you need to introduce yourself to people who necessarily aren't going to get their asses to a con. Right right or wrong, 75 and onwards, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we talk about that same thing. And that's it. And you just got to. Bit by bit, bit by bit. In fact, when I do the, uh, there will be a second right or wrong book. It may not be for another year, but um, the second right or wrong book is going to be about that aspect of it. Okay, now that you're creating comics, now what? How do you figure out? How do you network with with readers? How do you go to? How do you survive conventions? How, how do you come out of conventions successfully? It's going to be all about that that next wave of things. And going out to do book signings, absolutely. If you go to a book signing and you and you connect with three people, that's three people. That adds up. I was talking about that on in the in the right around seventy five that you know like I said should be I'm bleeding cool about now. Um, you know, I, I, there's a certain store I go to every year for free comic book day. It's outside of Columbus, Ohio. That is not local for me. But way back in the day, when I was self-publishing, I was nobody, nobody. They had me in to do a signing. And I said, you know what? As I as my name grew, and, and Dirk Manning somebody now. I'm not, I'm not Neil Gaiman. I'm not Alan Moore. Or what, I'm not even Greg Rucka yet. I go to that store. I turned down so many other free comic book day appearances. Because I go back to them every year. And you guys had me when I was nobody. And I will come back once a year, come to the store. People go to the store just to see me, and they see other people there too. You know, because you gotta, you got to do that. you got to get your butt out there. And then you also got to take care of the people that took care of you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's, um, you know, it's something that we really love. And we love when, when creators come back to our store, like um, Jamal Eigel. Mm-hmm. You know, we love to have him in once or twice a year, and yeah, get on the tip and get that Dirk Manning invitation. Uh, you know, <laughs> if you are willing to travel on your dime for a charity event, that is up to you. We will have you in our store anytime. What about a proper signing? Uh, we have no budget. Yeah, you want to come to a comic store? You can come. You can stay here at the um, fantastic uh, Love Estate B and B. Um. Because Stay that's what people do. I mean, sleep under the table. Batman has stayed at the estate. So, um, yeah, every, people, it's so funny, J.K. Woodward. It's like anybody who, like, comes to Comic Fusion, it's sort of like this is the B&B because there's a guest room. And right now we have no kitchen, though, so there's no, there's only the B. There's no other B. <laughs> there's no breakfast because there's no kitchen. The half of the house is demolished. You know, this is getting a little shadier by the minute here, so. It really is. It's, <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> Uh, someday, someday Dirk Manning will get to Comic Fusion. Uh, anytime. It's, it'll, it'll happen at some point. Anytime. I as mean, my, it's, as my budget and my ability to continue to expand my circle goes. Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, you know, a small independent store, we don't pay people to make appearances. Right. Um, no. You know, Joe Sinnott comes down to our store. 
because he is a nice guy. <laughs> and he travels right. down from friggin' Albany. The time will come. Yeah. So we would look forward to it, especially, you know, if we could ever, you know, gear something around some, you know, proper, proper spooky time for what your fans expect. I know that's uh, probably when you're your busiest. We'll figure it out. Like I said, I have a between uh, in September with Love Stories Tonight, we're coming in September, uh, Legend of Oz, Wicked West number 12, first of four issues. I'm so excited. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, coming out in September, uh, there'll be there'll be opportunities because you know there'll be a trade about that out eventually. Uh, Tales of Mystery will be coming out in the future. It looks like, um, yeah, well, big things are popping. Big things are popping. I did that story in Diaz de la Mortis. That trade will be out at some point. I only did one story in there with Riley, but it was a good one. So I love his work. I, love I thought you guys said you loved my story. Well, I, I do love your story. Of course I love your story, but I told you personally that I loved your story, but I, I'm not personally familiar with, with him. I think I follow him on Twitter. I don't think he follows me back. Great guy. Great artist. Fantastic artist. What a what a joy it was to work with Riley and Diaz de la Mortis, number one. So. I'm a big fan of the holiday. So, yeah. uh, you know, I I embrace it. It was cool too, in that story, to be able to show people the, again, a very, the the romantic side of what I do. You know, I right. I am a very, I, I am a romantic a black chart heart, and to tell a story that was not a horror story, that was a genuine love story, was just a really an opportunity I really relished. So. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed that, whether you believe me or not. You, you, your, your praise actually cut out for a second. You might have to say it again. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh! About how much I enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I emailed you how much I enjoyed. I, got, it. I, I did. I got a lot of feedback. I was really excited about that story. So yeah, but my feedback's all that matters. In this tonight, tonight, absolutely. Yeah, I am honored that you liked it. Um, yeah. So one of the uh, one of the things that I want to talk to you about, though, because you you came to me with this, and because I wasn't going to pry. <laughs> Um, All right, hold on, I'm shaking it off. Here we go. Here, here comes the dirt. Yeah. Oh, look, isn't this, haven't we been over an hour already? We probably have, because I'm not paying attention. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but we've talked about the right or wrong column, and we've talked about love stories to die for, and we've talked about the Oz in the Wicked West and uh, Dia de los Muertos. Um, and. You know, Tales of Mystery, you know, you've got a new contract for, so that's brand new. And right or wrongs on Kindle, I'm so excited. Right. So with, um, I know that you had said that you hadn't put out a new comic in a while because you mm-hmm. were working on the right or wrong book. and That is true. That is true. And you also had time off, and all you said about 40 minutes ago was four reasons. Yes. And I want to know if you want to tell me what those reasons are. <laughs> you and everybody else, right? Um, you don't have to, but you no, did no. tell me last night. It's so. been something. Well, yeah, we were doing the pre-interview stuff, and uh, I'm going to be. I've, I've told the, the people that a couple people that that work with me very closely know about this, but um, you know, I had the Nightmare World books coming out. Boom, boom, boom! One a year, 
and then I did, you know, the right or wrong book and things like that. But the progression on my comic stuff, I did have the love stories about death, love stories to die for stuff appearing online at Shadowline. Um, we had Farseeker, my all yeah, the all just comic I write, appeared on MTV Geeks website. Um, things were really, really rocking out. And uh, I'm the type of writer that I write stuff and I produce work way in advance. This is something that I tell everybody when you're an independent creator and when you're not a known quantity, have a bunch of stuff stacked up. And I did. And I had this publishing plan. You know, it was going to go Nightmare World, Tales of Mystery, Far Seekers, and then go from there, um, Love Stories to Die For. And uh, what <laughs> uh, very few people are aware of, and I guess more and more people are going to now be aware of, is, um, you know, kind of the open secret is that I, I uh, teach at a college, and I'm not going to get into the bloody, literally the bloody details of it, but um, uh, a building I was in had some construction done, and I had a, <laughs> I had a, a a ceiling beam fall on my head and put me in the hospital for a while and give me a very, very, very severe concussion that left me uh, unable to write. And uh, it was pretty scary. And uh, And you kept all this to yourself. I didn't tell anybody. Uh, (laughs) And it was a a multi-year recovery, which just gives you an idea of how far in advance I work. And obviously, I still keep a very active, I kept a very active presence on Facebook and on Twitter and um, I would have fleeting moments of sentience when I could, like, do a little new work, uh, you know, string together a new column or things like that. Or, I, you know, the joke is with my editor that I actually put the book together with a concussion, which I did, uh, with a lot of help from a, a very good friend of mine who helped me edit the book. Uh, and then I would go back and try to re-edit it. And it wouldn't make sense. And she'd be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I'm like, uh, what do you mean it doesn't make sense? And I'd look at it, it as like in hieroglyphics or something like zapping bats. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited now about all my, you know, my, my comic presence ramping back up again and uh, bringing um, the right or wrong column back with new columns about every two weeks again now that I'm off the road from that tour uh, to Bleeding Cool. Um because of the fact that for a couple of years I, I could produce virtually no new comic work because of a, a very, very, very serious concussion that almost killed me. Uh, I was teach martial arts, um, and uh, I am alive because I teach martial arts. And my, you know, uh, and I was fit enough, and my my neck was strong enough and stuff. Um, obviously, having a ceiling beam fall on you. Swing at you like a pendulum is kind of a, a big deal. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say so. And yeah. I was really surprised to learn about that. Well, like I said, um, a couple of my very closest friends I worked with and stuff knew about it. Um, I didn't tell anybody for years because I wasn't sure if it was ever going to get better. But I also knew the clock was ticking. You know, I'm like, you know, my reservoir of stuff was running out. You know, the fact that I had two two years or so worth of material to kind of continue to dull out incrementally, you know, online and stuff like that, um, you know, was, uh, was, was very fortunate for me. I was, I wasn't, I didn't have to totally disappear, uh, from the, you know, from the limelight or from the presence in the public eye, 
But, uh, you know, and people talk about concussions, and, you know, you hear about them, and you've heard about them a lot more now with soldiers coming back with them and sports athletes, you know. I mean, the Chris Benoit thing for wrestling fans, you know, people talk about how his brain looked like pudding. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I know. Killed, it, killed his family, <laughs> you know. There's that. I mean, I know with uh, football, there's there yeah, are football players that are they're trying to, like, leave their brains to science. Yeah, uh, it's and I just got cracked once, man. But but the the physical therapist told me I had to go through physical therapy for my neck and stuff like that. Um, I couldn't move my neck. Uh, I was also my whole back was all screwed up. My my vertebrae were compacted. <laughs> they had to put me on a machine, a traction machine, like stre- start stretching me back out. Um, he told me he goes, you know, you're in the lucky to be alive category. That's that's a wake up call. I'm and sure it the, is. I'm, just, I'm sure it was for the couple people that you told, too. Well, they were like, what? And I said, yeah, you know, I've been acting. Because, you know, I mean, I've been acting weird and uh, not remembering things. Uh, you know, it, it really, I was just acting very odd for a couple of years to people that knew me really well. And just doing a lot of, just not remembering things, just acting out of character, doing stuff I shouldn't, just not myself, you know, for years. And, and people I, I knew really well, you know, were kind of like, you know, we talked about this, Dirk. And I'm like, we did. But there's nothing like talking to somebody and you're having a conversation. <laughs> it's embarrassing to talk about still, but I'm past it to the point now that I can admit, you know, kind of admit this stuff happened. I'd be talking to somebody and all of a sudden they're looking at me and I'm looking at them and they're looking at me. They're like, yeah, no clue. No clue how long I was there. No clue what we were talking about. No clue context-wise. Nothing. It'd be like if I picked you up and just teleported you in the middle of a room. And uh, so you can imagine that made it hard to write as well. <laughs> sure know, did. I mean. Migraine, crippling migraines and stuff like that. You know, like literally like uh, having to like lock myself in a room for like three days in the dark and just not go outside and not do anything. Were you aware though? What I, that's this is what I want to know. Like, I mean, I, uh, there are certain types of recovery from mm-hmm. injuries where people are very aware and they know that they're you know they're working physical therapists and they're mm-hmm. um, uh, you know occupational therapists and they are in training to heal. So I want to know if you were actually aware of what was happening after you were released. No. Uh, no, I was not. <laughs> um, this happened at work. Uh, and, and the people at my work had nothing, you know, I mean, they didn't drop a beam on me. You know, it was nothing like that, you know. Um, but because I was workman's comp and what a you, I've heard over the years horror stories of people that had to work with workman's comp doctors and things like that. I, I'm a very fortunate. I'm a very healthy person. I've never drank. I've never smoked. Um, I've you know I've never eaten one of these pesky vegetables that people talk about. Uh, I've had caffeine and I'm a meat potatoes guy. Uh, well, yeah, I'd say that you're not that healthy then if you haven't eaten a vegetable. Hey man, they dropped a ceiling on me and I got up. <laughs> But I mean, I don't. I've never drank. I've never smoked. I don't take any drugs ever. Um, and uh, so you were even opposed to that, even in the healing process of dealing with pain. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, you don't accept the fact that science is there to help you. It can be. 
I, and there's certain medicine I did have to take, you know, when I'm in a crippling, you know, neck spasms for three days, but I wouldn't take painkillers. I take aspirin. Uh, well, or the painkillers is not a narcotic. Right. I wouldn't take a lot of the narcotic stuff. I'd take, like, aspirin or Aleve or Advil, stuff like that. But any of the heavy stuff, I wouldn't. No way, man. Um, but I, point being, I, I've been a very healthy person my whole life. When they when they went back through my doctor's records my whole life, I'd been to the doctor twice for, like, anything of anything of, of substance, you know, besides checkups and stuff like that. I go for yearly checkup and stuff, and I'm, I'm always fine. Um, so dealing with the, the, the working with comp doctors, it was just a whole different experience as opposed to working with a, my family doctor, you know, who knows me and knows how I am and wants to take care of me, as opposed to being a number in the system that they're trying to get off the books. And, and, the, and the understandings that people have of concussions, it's still very, very limited. You know, uh, it, it was just profoundly dehabilitating. And because of the way I am, I still worked as much as I could. Um, which and was you did talk to people less. Yeah. Um, I, one of my um, best friends knew what happened to me. And uh, I, I did a very good job of kind of hiding how bad I was as much as possible. People at work knew because they knew what happened. And they'd know because I'm with them all the time and, you know, oh, why am I talking to Dirk? And all of a sudden, he's, like, staring off into space, drooling on himself. Like, hey, hey, like, yeah. Like, uh, you were saying, you are talking about such and such. I'm like, oh, yeah, it was. Uh, what? <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. And, you know, so, I mean, there was that adaptation there. But with my friends and stuff, it was very embarrassing, uh, you know, because I was mentally diminished. I didn't. I wasn't always aware of what was going on, and I wasn't always able to function. There were there were intervals where, like, I did okay, but there were a lot when I didn't, you know. When I find out that I've been staring at a blank TV screen for four hours. So you didn't have anybody with you watching you, taking care of you, making sure that you're all right? I, 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 hid, I hid what I did. Um, I hid the extent of my injuries very well. One of my best friends um, didn't know how bad it was. I, 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 I love to play chess. I, mean, I have a chess player. And I'm not the best chess player in the world, but I can, I can hold my own and I can do pretty well. And uh, he's very, 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 very good chess player. And uh, the joke was when he started playing chess that you will never beat me. And I beat him a couple times. So that was a big, big thing. And uh, one day I was feeling okay. And he's like, man, when are we going to get together and play chess again? Because I don't leave the house anyway if I can help it. I'm a writer, and I stay inside, and I write. And I'm like, you know, I haven't seen him in a while or nothing. I'm like, all right, man, I'll, we'll, we'll play chess. So we'll get together to play chess. And uh, the look on his face, well, even the action of me trying, I've been looking at the board, and like, okay, I know I shouldn't move this rook up. And then, like, a couple seconds later, I'd take the rook, and I'd move it up. And I'd look at it, and I just said, i look at him and, like, I, I just said I'm not supposed to do that, didn't I? And he was just pale white. And he's kind of like nod his head. He couldn't even talk. He's like, yeah. I'm like, can I, can I take this back? And he's like, yeah, man, go ahead. And the pity, you know. And like he said later, he's like, you know, it was, uh, it was like playing chess with a nine-year-old. I'm not nine. You know, <laughs> I'm a good player. It would be like playing chess with me. It's what that was what it did, too. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was, like, trying to jump pieces, like checkers. So, yeah, um, 
but it is something that I decided that now that I'm coming out of it enough that I'm going to start being more open about because, you know, it's stuff that people need to be aware of, you know. I mean, thank God I did have health insurance. There were times that I could go and go to my family doctor and say, listen, man, I know this isn't covered, but, you know, I can't hold on to things. <laughs> you know, what's going on? Why can't I Why can't I hold a marker and write on the whiteboard without it falling out of my hand? You know, the workman's comp doctor, shake it off. You'll be all right. You're a big, you're a big strong guy, you know. And I'm like, man, this isn't right. My hand won't, hasn't, you know, stopped shaking for two days, you know, or, or all the, you know, different stuff that would happen. You know, I don't remember the last week. I was at work. I was working. I couldn't tell you. You know, there's like, you know, you know, you had the times you don't remember what you had for breakfast. Of course. Imagine not remembering the week. I do. Yeah. 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 For you know. completely different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it was it was pretty crazy. But I've even decided you know, I'm going to touch on that in the, the column and stuff. And you know, and I feel that people. I don't owe anybody anything, obviously, but I I do want to let people know. Well, gee, Dirk has had a lot of comic stuff out. A little bit trickled out here and there online, you know, of older stuff. And, but, uh, yeah, man, it's time to get back in the game. Well, good. I'm glad that you felt, um, you know, well enough to share your progress. Yeah, and I, and I don't want people to look at me like I'm brain damaged now or something. I mean, it's, you know, that aside. <laughs> you know, we always thought that, darling. Well, people people know, all right. But, uh, uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm a lot better. This was... You know, it was a couple-year recovery process, and I'm getting to a point now where I can um, talk about it and move on and do all right. And exactly, like i got two books out in previews next month alone. It's going to be a rock show here real quick. One of the things that you um, always try to tell me is that we're supposed to take these experiences and we are supposed to turn them into our stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so how has that appeared for you? Has that has that already been? Um, you know, it's still too new. I mean, I, I haven't seen, you know, like an Alice in Wonderland-esque type story. No, and that would be very... Cliché. Cliché. It'd be very cliché. I was trying to think of a nicer word, but no, it would be very cliché take on it. Um, and it's still too new of an experience, you know. It's just to the point I can talk about it. Um but but you know. But what have you learned from it? Uh, I mean, other uh, than the uh, the process of the U.S. healthcare system, I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Workman's kind of a big one. You know, I mean, the end of Tales of Mystery kind of touched on this a little bit, but this was the the the, the end of Tales of Mystery Volume One. I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't read it and. Hopefully we'll be maybe reading it for the first time in print soon. But um But things happen. You know, there, there there's a bit yeah, there's a bit with a one of the characters who um has to go to a hospital and and like going to my doctor and then my doctor saying, You need to go to the hospital right now uh and me going to the hospital and then being kept in the hospital. Like, well you can't leave. And I'm like, What the what the fuck do you mean I can't leave? I'm like, you can't leave. I'm like, you don't understand. I'm walking out of here right now. And they're like, no, sir, you're not walking out right now. You have a traumatic brain injury, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you don't get it. I'm walking out of here right now. And they're like, you don't get it, sir. You're not. Wow. And I didn't. So you had to, 
you had to learn I had to, to, I had to put, I had to, well, I had to stay. And, uh, you had to, that, that you had can, to relinquish a little bit of control of your life. Yeah. And, and it, you know, and I'm a very self-sufficient person and try to, you know, uh, again, I'm a normally a very healthy person and things like that, but, but just the, the, the I think the that's what we're coming down to. I mean, if I, if I may put on my Barbara Walters hat, you. Your Barbara Wawa? My Barbara Walters hat here. Um, as I got you in the chair. Yeah, that one. Um, was that you had to turn aspects of your life over to other people like doctors and clinicians and for the limited amount they wanted that the ones that were charged with helping me wanted to well for them and then at that point you had to sort of give it up to the cosmos to just say okay I can't I can't work right now it was tough, you know, and, and I definitely did everything I could to help, to, to help myself without taking psychotropic medication and things like that. You know, take these antidepressants. They'll make you feel better. And I'm like, oh, they'll make me feel better about being concussed. Will these help my concussion? Will these help my brain work again? We don't know. And I'm like, man, listen, I'm straight edge. I'm not taking your Mavlov, your Mavlov cocktail of psychotropic meds. And that pissed off the doctors. But I'm like, that's not happening. I can't. I would get him. I would try. I can't do this, man. There's got to be another way. And it was just that long road of of, of dealing with that and, and and finding ways to help myself that did not that were not dangerous to me. You know, I mean, I personally consider that stuff highly dangerous and highly dubious. And I would look up these medicines and stuff and like, what the fuck? I'm not about but there's no cure for a concussion. If someone drops a ceiling beam on your head. That's it. You know, there's not a lot you can do besides let the brain mend itself. So, uh, what's your lesson learned then at this point? You know, should I'm still, you're I'm still, still young enough that things, you know, should, should you know, happen? It's well, yeah, but it's so, still it's still too close. I'm not to the point yet where I can reflect on it enough. I think to to offer any sage advice uh, yet. Um, but keep bugging you. Don't worry. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, I said I'd be back on the show when when it's time for re, but um, it, it's still too close. But mainly, I, you know, my biggest thing was I had this big plan, those big waves of comics coming out, and right now I'm making up for basically three years of lost time when all mm-hmm. said and done. That's the big. You thing. You certainly made it up for your, your convention schedule. That was part of it. Yeah, I gotta remind people who I am and what I do. <laughs> You know, and that was part of it. I was well enough to do it, you know, and get out there and force myself to interact. And Did you want to quit, though, during those five weeks? During these five weeks, no. Um, last year, I did three shows in three weeks, and uh, it was tough. Um, uh, talking to people was still difficult. Remembering people that I should know my friends was difficult sometimes, even a year ago. But I was trying to get my brain working again, you know, and 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 get out there and do what I wanted to do. And I and this whole time I wanted to do what I what I what I could do, you know. I wanted to be able to do stuff, man. I wanted to have my life, you know. I mean, writing is my life. This is what I do. If I did not write, I would go mad, you know, madder, you know. So um, it was easier this year. Uh, there's still hiccups here and there, you know. Uh, you get real stressed out. You know, I got stressed out about some stuff last night, and, you know, migraines creep up, things like that happen, you know. Uh, yeah. So there's an adjustment. But um, 
Um, but it's to the point now where it's kind of like, hey, here's this guy that's known for talking about comics, do his creator own comics. And again, and I have, I've had a presence. I've had a greater presence than many in the last couple of years because I had so much work stocked up putting out there. But, uh, it's time to let people know, hey, here's why there wasn't as much stuff coming out. It's not that I was pitching things left and right. Where did Far Seekers go? Well, Len got busy, but also I was unable to write more of it to the point where I was happy with it. Uh, that's changing now. Uh, a lot of things are changing. You know, Mystery's coming back. Uh, people ask about Nightmare World 4. I do have plans to do one more volume at some point, you know, uh, and, and do that and really put it together and make one last nice collection. Um, so it's, you know, but but this is the start. You know, Love Stories to Die For coming out from Image, uh, Legend of Oz, uh, The Wicked West, 12. It's going to be a four-issue run with that book for starters and doing hopefully some more stuff with Big Dog Inc. And Mystery, Tales of Mystery coming out. Some other stuff. Uh, exciting things are ahead. Very exciting. It's nice to be back. Well, it's great to have you back, and it's great to have you, you know, healed and as healed as you can be at this moment. Well, I'm... Yeah, you know, I'm 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 better enough I can talk about things and and write and you know, so write my ass off, you know, as I have been lately and starting to show the results of that again. So Well there's there's only like um you know, like basically one more thing that I wanted to, to touch upon. All right. Um and it's because, you know, it's obviously I you know, I I check your Facebook and, and the Twitters and stuff. And you're, you know, you're always posting links to articles and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. if it's helpful stuff, it's not always, you know, sometimes it's just, you know, the, uh, goofy stuff just to blow off steam. But, um, there's one of the articles that you did post, it was about a month ago, on a site called Addicted to Success by, um, I don't know how to say his last name, but it was Brenton Wee? Wee? Okay. I don't know. Okay, okay. Uh, and it's, I always post stuff I like or I find interesting. So yeah. Know. And it was called Why Successful People Leave Their Loser Friends Behind. <laughs> that was, in- yeah, that was an interesting read. And so what this article was is it sounded a lot like, I mean, I, I, I you know, I get involved in a certain amount of the self-help stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain amount of it that I'll buy and then there's a certain amount of it that I will consider complete hogwash. Um, it's just people that want to make money and, you know, basically build people out of money. So well, everyone, is, everyone wants to make money, and it's just a matter of whether or not people want to mm-hmm. give the money for what they're offering. Right. And so a lot of times it's just the same advice rehashed. And this article basically sounds, sounded kind of like a motivational speech. And the key elements were that there were three people essential to have in your life for success. The first one it says is an, a person who is older than you to learn from. Now I'm using older to me. It might be literal, but to me, I thought maybe they just meant more experienced. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Okay, so it's that a person older than you to learn from. The second is a person equal to you for you to bounce ideas around. And the third is a person younger than you to mentor. So, um, since you actually posted the article, I wondered if you would share who these three po- people in your life are to you. Oh, like, wow. all right. Yeah, um, older than me, undoubtedly, that- uh, my grandfather. Okay. Uh, undoubtedly, he is my hero. Anyone that knows me and knows my grandfather, uh, and I say this with no disrespect towards my parents, but I'm my grandfather's son. 
no doubt. And uh, one of the upcoming Raider on columns is going to be about a lesson he taught me many years ago about how to make a million dollars. Very easy to do. Uh, just a, a fantastic human being, a very hard worker. He took the hard way. Uh, absolutely, he is the guy I learned more from than anything in that sense. So he's the older. Uh, same age, someone I bounce ideas off of. Right. Because I know you are kind of a hermit and very isolated. I am. You don't share things with me, and so I don't know if there's, you know, who is the person that you do share things with. I don't share. I share it with myself, you know. Um, I, I picked up an editor when I did Right or Wrong, A Writer's Guide to Creating Comics. When I put Right or Wrong together as a book, uh, uh, a colleague of mine who I respect her writing a lot, she's very talented, uh, very much the, the grammar Nazi, quote-unquote, type of person I I, I needed to, um, to uh, help keep me in line especially concussed. So I'll say my editor. I'll say Leah Kate on Facebook is the person who, uh, but I still don't bounce ideas off her, but at least I give her columns to edit for me before I publish them. Okay. Which is about as close as it gets. My ideas I don't share usually with anybody ever, except for the artists I'm working with. I will obviously uh, work with them to... um, So it's project by project, a collaboration anyway. Absolutely. Right, right. So the last one even, is, even then, I'm pretty secretive about stuff. You know, it's kind you're of extraordinarily like, secretive about stuff. That's that's how I that's that's how Dirk Manning rolls. I wear a scarf, not in real life. But no, anyway. you don't. Um, and the last one is then a person that you feel that you mentor. Oh gosh, that's obvious. Everyone that reads right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Everybody, anybody, you know, you know, and you know, I've. I, I've done a lot. You know, I've been doing comics since 2002. I was one of the first people to ever put fully realized comics online. I just was having, uh, it's, it's C2E2. I had lunch with, um, uh, Scott Alley over at Dark Horse. And he's someone that mentored me a little bit very early in my career and just gave me wonderful advice on writing. A fantastic, fantastic human being. And he didn't have to do a damn thing for me. I was nobody. And he helped edit a couple scripts of mine and I still have them. Right here next to my desk, he just picked them apart from a couple, uh, an eight-page script, uh, and it really taught me a lot about writing. And uh, point being, I was talking to him, and he even said that, you know, he said, man, you were the first one. He goes, you were putting fully realized comics online. You were the guy doing digital comics before there were digital comics. And mind you, they went on, Dark Horse went on, of course, to do MySpace Presents, or MySpace, you know, Dark Horse Comics Presents. Right. Which is really in the mainstream what kick-started the digital comic revolution. Right. That's it. And now there's, you know... Um, now, it's, now there's comicology, now there's everything. Yeah, Activate and... Um, I was the one... City and all those. I, I was the one in front of Dark Horse, MySpace Presents. Right. Scott Hell even says on the back of, of Right or Wrong, you know, the, the book there, he's one of the blurbs on the back cover talking about that. You know, I was the one, I was there. And I'm not, I'm not saying that like, worship me! But to me, it was just obvious. As a no-name person, why are comic books not a digital? Well, because people had dial-up modems, man. Right. You know, so that's why, because it was hard. It wasn't in, yeah. it w- and it wasn't in every single house. I mean... Not at all. I had, to go to my, I had to go to my parents' house for the library to look at Nightmare World online when it first started. Sure. I didn't have internet at my own house. 
you know, I would take a floppy disk and go to like my parents' house or something like that and have to drive out there and then send the scripts that way. Right. Fax them. (laughs) But, uh, but no, anybody that reads right or wrong, you know, uh, that's the people. Your mentees. Yeah. I, it's happened countless times at conventions where I get emails, people like, you know, I, I, I read right or wrong and this really helped me get started or I made this comic because of you. And I almost cry every time I get those emails, and that's not just a concussion. You know, I mean, that's 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 a true story, man. <laughs> you know, it's like to know that I got to help someone else. Because, you know, I, people all the time, and I talk about this in the book, the right or wrong book, and I may just be a good place to wrap it up, but um, I'm not worried about the competition. There's only one Dirk Manning. No one's going to do what I do. Nobody does what I do. Because I'm me, and I write the stories I'm going to write. So to me, I'm and I'm not worried about jostling for position to write Spider-Man someday. If someone wants Dirk Manning to write Ghost Rider or Constantine or whatever, fucking hey, man, I'll write it. You know, sure, if you want to pay me and I can come to terms with, you know, the the, the, the terms of the contract, which would be work for hire, I write it, they own it. You know, if there's a Legend of Oz, the Wicked West movie based on my Flying Monkey story arc and Big Dog Inc. makes a billion dollars, I got my check. Maybe they'd be good to me and help me out, you know, throw some money my way, but that would be a whole different set of negotiations. Um, But I'm not worried about, quote, unquote, competition. I, I, I I I love comics. I love this. I love this. I love comics. Uh, I love this medium, and uh, I want to help other people make great comics I can read. So my mentees are anybody that wants to make comics. Man, I want to do everything I can to help out. What a cool thing. What a cool thing to be able to make comics. Some people think it would be a cool thing to write Superman or to write Green Lantern or to write Batman or Spider-Man or X-Men or Ghost Rider and whatever, man. But to me as a writer, mm-hmm. To write comics, to look on my shelf and look at my work, man, whether it be through Image or Big Dog Inc. or self-published, and to get to work with so many amazing artists and people I call my friends, you know, after I did these five shows in five weeks, the next two weeks, artists I've worked with were passing through my area and came and visited me. And I'm a hermit, as you said, but but the friends I've made in, in doing this and the talented people I get to know, the cool people I get to know, man. Uh, what a what a blessing, you know. My one of my 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 twentieth high school reunion. I got an invitation to it recently, and uh, uh, Kristen Perry uh, of Norris High School went to high school together, and she came into town, and I said, "Yeah, you know, twentieth twentieth uh, uh, reunion is coming up." Yeah, it is, isn't it? I said, yeah. She goes, I, I didn't want to really fly back in the, you know, go fly back, you know, to go do something like that. I said, why would you? She goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you and I were in the same boat, girl. We didn't have, you know, we had very few friends in high school. We were the geeks, the outcasts, the loners, you know. You know, I was like in creative writing and, you know, and, you know, and I mean, she could draw. She was an amazing artist even then. But still, we didn't run in that circle, you know, and, and it's funny because all these people are all on Twitter about, oh, the reunion, blah, blah, blah. you know, I see, you know, get the emails and stuff. And I don't, 
need that. I don't need to relive glory days of 20 years ago because I'm living glory days now. You know, good, good. I work with good people. I know good people, yourself included. You know, yeah. and this is, you know, 20 years out from all that crap, and I'm happier than I've ever been. That's good. Yeah, so I have I have no desire to revisit that either. No. Oh no, no way. So this is. So if I can help other people get to this point and maybe get there a little bit faster and, 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 uh, you know, maybe not make some of the mistakes that I did and save them a little time. And now even with technology, you know, and I completely revised all those old columns for the book. So the book's very relevant to like now, you know, and the fact that, yeah, now everyone has internet and blah, blah, blah. You know, here's what you can do. Um, yeah, man, that's, that's living the dream. I want to help anybody that can get there. You know, now that I could do five shows in five weeks and not lose my ass. You know, well, you uh, did, kind of. Well, yeah. You were dragging. You were. It, it was tough, but, man, living the dream. Living the dream. They did it. Um, and, but speaking of conventions, what do you have left? I know that you have um, talked about um, that you would have some stuff in the fall. So. Yeah, mainly I'm, I'm doing a lot of writing this summer, recovering. Um, I'm not doing San Diego this year or anything like that. Uh, I'm looking into the fall already. Um, uh, I've been announced for Detroit Fanfare in mm-hmm. the fall, which is a wonderful show. I'm really excited about that. That's uh, around Halloween. It's the end of October-ish. Yeah, the last, the last weekend in October. Great creator-centric show. Um, I'll probably do a horror con- uh, I'm doing... Um, a horror convention or two around that time, um, you know, because I do that because, you know, people go, oh, my God, horror comics, this is the best thing ever. And some people are like, this is not a DVD and walk away. But, you know, I'm breaking into that market a little bit more again. Um, so, yeah, there'll be stuff announced. You know, people can uh, <clears throat> uh, follow me on the, the Facebook or the Twitter. Uh, if people want to be friends on Facebook, I highly encourage they send a friend request and a little message. Like, hey, I heard you on Vodka Clock, and it's kind of interesting. I listened to you for two hours. <laughs> or whatever, you know, because otherwise I don't just add it, but people can follow me. My Facebook is wide open. My Twitter is wide open. People can follow me, and I'll have all kinds of news there. Uh, you know, the right or wrong column at Bleeding Cool goes up about every two weeks. People can check that out, and I'll be very vocal about what I have coming out and where I'm going to be. Okay. And, um... You know, and I'm usually retweeting as well. So, yes, and I'll be back on your show soon, anyway, to talk about tales of mystery. I hope so. I hope well, it'll be with it. It'll be sooner than a year. All right, all right. I mean, that which means, folks, that it'll be ten months. Uh, <laughs> I hope not, because that means tales of mystery is taking ten months. But no, um, I'm going to be doing some. Um, actually, you know, what I'm going to probably, hopefully, be doing here uh, between now and the fall is some. Uh, some right or wrong style panels at libraries and comic shops. I'll be doing some smaller stuff. And then the fall when um, Legend of Oz 12 comes out and Love Strikes to Die For, which people better pre-order if they want it. Uh, that's that's when I'm, yeah, I'm going to be popping around the uh, convention circuit again. All right. Well, we will uh, stay tuned to uh, follow on Twitter at Dirk Manning. And, um, you know, like you said, on Facebook, um, just sort yeah. of pay attention or follow. Yep, yep. Just, just follow me on there. Dirk follow Manning. it's easier to, for the public uh, public information. The uh, the one in the top hat and the scarf. And you can follow me, of course, at Elizabeth Amber and on amberunmasked.com. So, um, Dirk, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. It's uh, always a pleasure. I hope you know that. 
Well, I hope you know that there's always an invitation for you. I will be taking advantage of that soon, I assure you. All right. And uh, so, guys, take care of yourselves, of course. And um, don't forget that you can uh, get all that pre-order information. If you have any questions, you can, you know, whatever, send them my way if you need to, and I can always forward them on. But uh, otherwise, make sure that you uh, enjoy your vodka responsibly like I am on this dark and stormy night here in or New Jersey. Or your bagel rock and rye. Or your rock and rye, whatever you're having. But after I just ran over a tree with my car in a torrential downpour, I am having real vodka. So, um, so talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.